So, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Deeper Signals podcast, where we explore emerging themes, issues, and topics in the wondrous world of talent assessment, coaching, and technology. So, I'm joined again with my colleagues uh, Uri and Alima, and in this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the role of technology and user experience in personality and talent assessment. So Nalima, I'm going to kick this off with a question for you. As our resident influencer, (laughs) who knows far more about Instagram than MySpace, um, how would you describe your experiences completing some of the dinosaur assessments? And here I mean uh, assessments that are produced by companies like Hogan, SHL, Aon, and so on. I think what I love about um, the Deeper Signals assessment is how quick and easy and intuitive it is to complete our assessments it's um i think it's it was like taking it for the first time it was so refreshing and many of the kind of assessments similar assessments i've done well i wouldn't say anything i've done in the past has been similar in terms of experience but um in terms of just taking psychometric assessments in the past it has always taken me at least um, multiple tests that has lasted 20 to 30 minutes at least to complete and then followed by some sort of debrief session with an individual that's trained in it to really kind of understand what my report means. And, you know, I wasn't able to kind of understand what what the insights were speaking to and how I can act on it um, by myself. But the deeper signals assessment, you know, I was able to complete in five minutes. And then quickly, I had a very easy to understand report that was written in conversation language with tangible and quick kind of action points that I can act on immediately after that came with it. So overall, that kind of quick, easy, intuitive user experience was, um, I think, what, what, what really stood out for me. Given how consumer technology has kind of advanced over the last few years, what do you feel like is kind of happening when people are required to kind of sit down and complete these long surveys? Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I think today we're all digital consumers, regardless of what kind of productivity or ERP software we use inside our organization. Outside our organization, you know, we have access to to the Instagrams, you know, um, other kind of digital platforms that have really great user experiences. So ultimately, whether or not we've used it inside our workplace, we have all... um, we all have high expectations on our digital experience, regardless of what platform we use. And I think um, the Deeper Signals platform really reflects that kind of modern, intuitive, easy and, and polished experience. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, guys, and say, I think the Deeper Signals platform you know, is great, obviously, and I developed it, but needs, you know, there's definitely room for improvement, right? I wouldn't say that we have reached the, you know, quote unquote, Instagram level of sleekness and ease, ease of use. Mm-hmm. However, to your question, the state of play is horrible. And that's what I think, you know, not to promote deeper signals, but what other companies need to focus on as well. The bar in the assessment industry on ease of use is very, very low. Mm-hmm. And that impacts not just the user experience, nearly with all the points that you made, but also it even impacts the measurement and the psychometrics, especially if you're trying to appeal to uh, younger demographics who are not familiar with old radio dial buttons that you can are hard to click and you need to click next after every question and you have to go through 250 questions and that means you have you know 500 clicks just to get through an assessment. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sometimes mind-blowing how bad it could be. Exactly. And it even like it just flies in the face of research that shows there is a plateau or a law of diminishing returns with kind of the... 
reliability and, and accuracy of, of these tools, the more questions you ask, doesn't actually give you a better measurement. Yeah. One thing that like I've been really thinking about a lot recently is about how your assessment tool or your assessment process is a marketing experience. If you are trying to attract the very best talent, why are you using kind of tools that were made 30, 40 years ago and look even older than that? You know what I mean? If you're trying to yeah. attract kind of a younger, uh, more digitally native kind of agile workforce, like your, your assessment needs to reflect that. Otherwise, if you make it too difficult for me to apply to this job or, you, or if I feel like I'm kind of being analyzed or clinically profiled, I'm just- Well, actually, I mean, maybe, opinion. Reese, but maybe, maybe that's not really true because maybe the reason why the state of plan assessments is so bad and is because they focus only on selection. And that's the one context where you can force people to go through you know, a hazing process because they really want a job. Now, I agree with you. And I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this thinking about, you know, what's my EVP, you know, my my uh, brand pop proposition to prospective employees, and it has to be sleek. So I'm not disagreeing with you mm-hmm. fundamentally, but I think that's why you can. When someone wants a job, you can create a test. If you think about other companies like take HackerRank, for example, right? And all those kind of companies that create hard coding tests. My brother at MIT, Teddy, right? He was telling us about you know, even with his qualifications, still going through, you know, three hours of testing to try to get a competitive job. So I think that's the one case where you can. But if you think about, you know, our niche and the area of, that we focus on, which is increasing self-awareness, well, then you've lost people before they even started because, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on self-awareness and think about this as a an experience that enhances my, my profile and myself uh, if it's that hard to get through and that painful to get through. Just to add to that, I'd say the other thing to be mindful of is that self-awareness isn't just a point-in-time experience. And I think that's what becomes the case of when you are um, kind of given that information overload with lengthy reports and in you know the older type of assessments. It's a lot to take in and it's all great information, but then ultimately I don't know how much of it sits with you. It's like I go to get my Hogan report. I, I look for my Google Drive from 15 years ago to find a PDF, right? It's not something that I'm going to do, you know, unless I have to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't reflect kind of how we interact with any technology now. Like what piece of content do you have that, aside from books, it always stays the same, right? I think everything that we have now in the interactive is completely dynamic. And I think our feedback report should be to, Lima, your point, to reflect kind of how development is this ongoing thing and self-awareness is something that you do over time. It's never kind of just decided that this is your report, this is where your feedback is and now go figure it out. I guess one thing that I'm thinking about as well is, you know, we've spoken about these, the dinosaur assessments. What about, you know, these new players in the space like uh, higher view, high metrics that are really indexing on the technology side of things and the AI side of things? I've got some opinions about them. Before I kind of reveal them, I'd be interested to know what you think about their new way of assessing talent, not from an accuracy perspective. Let's kind of just put that to the side, but actually just the user experience. Do you think people enjoy doing digital interviews or playing games rather than completing a uh, a survey? I I wouldn't group those together, Um, but I think let's say Pymetrics, you know, they don't have the nicest UI, but it's a nice tool and it's a big improvement. So I wouldn't... Yeah, I would say from a selection standpoint, if you're using an assessment, that's, you know, I, I kind of like that. Higher view, you definitely get some negative feedback on, for example, on the 
experience of going through a, a video interview. But at the same time, again, these are newer players to my mind that are at least improving the experience over taking a 250 question, you know, old assessment. So I'm not, you know, I would say definitely I'm happy that the bar is being raised. Nilima, what about you? I'm just thinking, I think it's um, it's a case of, um, to your point, Uri, it's all new. So it's hard to kind of judge, you know, make a make a comment on whether one is better than the other. But I think more than anything, it's just people are being educated in the process of these technologies being introduced as to what it's doing and how it's actually being used in the recruitment process. Um, so I think that's the kind of phase we're at with that, with this kind of technology is changing every day. Um, and along with that, there is a bit of an education process on the other end for, for users on, on, you know, what is it doing and how, how do I know that these are still fair ways of assessing um, who I am as an individual? Yeah, I understand where you guys are coming from. I think, you know, yeah, I appreciate that they're trying to do something different and that's good and they're using different methods. However, it's still this top-down process um, in that it's still kind of a very clinical experience where you're just being profiled. And in fact, like everyone I've spoken to that has done a digital interview finds the experience creepy. Creepy because you know, it's impersonal because, you know, some computers just asking the questions and creepy because you know that your webcam is kind of scanning your facial expressions and looking at kind of how well you fit in with kind of, you know, otherwise top performers. I think there's this balance to be made around kind of the idea of these, these data being kind of passively collected and actually making you feel a part of it. So the dinosaur assessments are great in that at least you are giving up information. You're choosing to say, okay, I like to go to parties at the weekend versus kind of having some AI kind of comb through your micro expressions. And then with, with kind of gamified tools, as a, as a gamer myself and someone that, you know, really believes in, in the promise of gamification, every kind of gamified assessment I've seen looks like a cognitive science experiment from like the 1970s with a slightly better um, skin on it that make, just with some flashy colors. I get why this might be more attractive, but I, again, I don't feel like anyone is being fooled really? as to kind of what it really is. I mean, the gaming thing, maybe I, I get what you're saying, but the, the higher view AI, the creepy factor, people are just unaware that every tech company out there is using that same information. So at least higher view is using that information for something that might help you get a job and will help organizations find talent that's a good fit. It's just, it's hard for me to empathize with you know, quote unquote, the creep factor, Google's doing the same thing to every photo you upload. So it's like, get real. No, I just disagree. I, th I think there's, there's one thing about it being used in the consumer space. And there's another about when it's being used for your job and especially how we know those algorithms are being used and how they're being trained. I have much more faith in the accuracy of Google's facial recognition algorithm than, you know, one that has been developed you know, by a much smaller company and much limited data set. And it's going to be completely specific to each organization. The room for bias just is, is too huge there. And the accuracy, I think, is debatable too. I, I have a question, Reese. Do you think that creepy factor comes from, like, just from a user experience point of view, if that becomes, like, like I said, it, this is very new and this is very, uh, this is unfamiliar terrain for most um, candidates right now. But if that becomes the norm, would that disappear? Yeah. Okay. So that's a good good point, right? Um, I'm not. I think that's definitely like a, a creepiness factor is a part of like a, a an unfamiliarity. So for sure, that is that is true. 
Um, so the more we use it, the more it's deployed, then yeah, like we'll get better at it and more comfortable. But that doesn't necessarily solve the problem of better user experience. What we're doing there is kind of replacing a, an experience that people are unhappy with uh, with another experience that they're unhappy with, right? So replacing the 200 item survey with something equally kind of uh, unentertaining, uninspiring, and uh, and annoying. Yeah, I guess I hear the creep factor, so I'm not going to disagree there. I like HireView. I think it's a cool tool, but I guess there is a creep element to it, which, I mean, we've both heard that when we've you know taught our classes and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. So yeah, I can't argue with that. So I just want to kind of wrap up the, uh, the conversation with a question and some recommendations from you both. So imagine you're a uh, HR manager uh, on the lookout for a new assessment. You know, you've got the whole... Uh, the whole menu is available to you, right? You've got kind of surveys, you've got, um, you know, gamified tools, you've got high view and those kind of assessments. What are some of the things when it specifically about kind of user experience and technology should they be looking for? I would go back to what I said earlier about um, being quick, easy and intuitive. I think um, with any kind of new technology that's rolled out in an organization, there is a big change component to be tackled along with that. And um, oftentimes we talk about, you know, that dip in productivity that comes with the, as you as you move along the change curve of like surprise and then resistance and then moving all the way to exceptions. But my experience is that, or my thought is that we don't pay enough attention to user experience in that in that process or in that final outcome. I think if on the other end of that change is a product or an outcome or a process that's easy, quick and intuitive, I think the effort to manage that change is, is going to be minimal. And I think um, I think we've seen that in recent times in like just the platform that we're re- using right now. Um, overnight, I think we saw I mean, of course, an, uh, environmental factors prompted the change, but quickly here was a platform that offered, you know, video conferencing technology, being able to connect in large groups a lot more easier than prior technology that we were using. And how quickly do we, you know, move on to, to adopt it? So I think in terms of seeing adoption, keeping those things in mind are critical. I would only add to that, Reese, what we hear a lot about the deeper signals platform, which is, it's got to be scalable. If if you're a modern HR practitioner thinking about a self-awareness platform or, or looking for an assessment tool, if you're only going to give it to C minus two and you're talking about impacting 30 people in a large organization, it doesn't really matter. You can use any tool you want. These are people who are going to take the assessment once and they're probably going to have a $20,000 coach afterwards and it's, it's it's kind of fine the way it is. But if you want to really have an impact, then obviously you need to think about something which is scalable. And so then everything that goes into being scalable is what you have to worry about. Is the feedback enough, you know, good enough that everyone can understand it without their own coach? Is the experience seamless enough that you'll have a high uptake? You're not going to have drop-off 50% through. Um, is the price positioned well enough so that you can give it uh, you know, low enough or at least scalable enough so you can give it to a large group of people. So I would think about scale more than anything else if you want to be a differentiator. Yeah. And the other thing I would add to that is because like technology-enabled tools um, allow you to get insights, not just at an individual level, but also at a team level. So being able to aggregate that data and you know draw insights 
be able to um, perform analytics on it and draw insights on you know, how to improve whatever program um, you are um, using that data for, whether it's development or assessment. Um, having that functionality within the tool, I think, is also key. Nalima and Uri, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. So I think this has been a, a great conversation. So the, I think the key takeaways that have come up is the first user experience and technology really has not kept up with the latest innovations. We've seen some change there, but I think there is still a way to go. When it comes to selecting an assessment, we should be trying to kind of balance both the UI with the science, as well as kind of managing things such as kind of the creepiness factor and other design choices and whether that's really relevant and suitable for your audience. And then finally, I think there is this piece around scalability in your assessment. If you're doing small volumes, you know, any assessment is going to work well. However, if you're really thinking about assessing high volumes of people and measuring everyone in your organization, user experience becomes one of the most important variables in your decision-making process.